This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. All new subscribers get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. We're going to read some poetry later on in today's show. Well, uh, there is more corroboration for Tara Reid and her story and her allegations against Joe Biden. Tara Reid, of course, the former Biden staffer from the 90s who came forward on the she came forward last year, actually, uh, along with a group of women to talk about how Biden uh, made them uncomfortable with how he interacted with them. And then earlier this year on the Katie Halper podcast, uh, recounted a, a story of sexual assault, uh, accusing the uh, the vice president, then a senator, of uh, pinning her against a wall in the U.S. Capitol and assaulting her. Now, these allegations have mostly been dismissed by the New York Times, the Washington Post, by prominent uh, editorial writers at these papers, by MSNBC, by most major press outlets, but. Uh, we've seen over the last few days more and more corroboration come out from her story, including a clip from Larry King, the old Larry King show on CNN, in which Tara Reid's mother calls in to talk about how her daughter couldn't do anything about uh, any, couldn't find any recourse uh, about how she was uh, fired from a, her, her previous job in the Senate after something came up. Her mom didn't go into the details, but now we have Business Insider reporting uh, a former neighbor of Reed's in the 90s who uh, tells Business Insider that she remembers Reed telling her this story about Joe Biden in the 90s and in explicit detail, the exact story that uh, Reed told on the Katie Halper show and a former uh, work colleague of Reed's in the 90s recounting that Reed had complained to her about not being able to to uh, formally lodge any complaints against Biden at the time. So the evidence is stacking up against the Democratic, uh, presumptive Democratic nominee right now. At the same time, New York is moving to cancel its primary. <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 do you, what do you think of this, Sam? Uh, I think that... I think that this is exactly how everyone expected this. To go, which is that Tara Reid's uh, story would look increasingly credible as the campaign wore on, and Democrats could have no complaints because there are hours of footage of Joe Biden being a creep to literally little girls, and... I mean, obviously, we saw in 2016 that being a rapist does not preclude someone from winning the election, the presidential election, um, sadly. And I know the Democratic Party is um, is just... I have no confidence in in them going forward. Yeah, speaking as someone who has completely divorced themselves of the Democratic Party and 
was only interested in the Democratic primary to the extent that Bernie Sanders was in the primary and a belief, maybe not a realistic belief, but a belief at the time that Sanders uh, could win and destroy the party or at least completely remake the party into something uh, that is different in kind rather than degree. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, that might have been stupid. But uh, again, saying as someone who's divorced themselves from the Democratic Party, though, uh, this might be the most cynical play yet I've seen from Democrats. Just uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden uh, basically raped someone in the 90s. It doesn't matter if the evidence is stacking up against him. And it doesn't matter even if we can't deny it, as long as we can say, well, Joe Biden didn't rape as many people as Donald Trump. So that's what we're going with. This all just underscores uh, the bitter feelings that many of us on the left have over Bernie Sanders dropping out at this point in the campaign. And I know people were laughing at a video of a guy who, uh, who drove over to Bernie Sanders' house and was honking his horn and saying, unendorse, unsuspend. And people were saying that he shouldn't have done that. And yet I, I still find myself, I still find myself leaning toward the, the young gentleman in the car. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, when I first saw it, I was like, uh, cringe. But after a few days and um, really thinking about it, Critical support to that guy. He was right. (laughs) All right. It's Monday, April 27th, 2020. Here's the news. The window opened today on the second round of bailouts for small businesses, even though the first round involved many non-small businesses and rules on the second round barely changed. The Small Business Administration tried to restore some confidence in the Paycheck Protection Program, Tomorrow, it will publish rules in the Federal Register clarifying that actually finance industry dicks are disqualified from loans. From the filings, quote, hedge funds and private equity firms are primarily engaged in investment or speculation, and such businesses are therefore ineligible to receive a PPP loan. Let's see if some hedge fund guy ends up suing. Lobbyists are banned from the PPP and sued the federal government over it. The American Association of Political Consultants lost at the district court level last week. They're appealing the decision to the D.C. Circuit. In other news, if you ever find me working for the American Association of Political Consultants, please cut off my limbs and head and throw my torso in the Potomac. Though the SBA clarified that no, hedge funds can't apply for PPP money, the agency and the Treasury Department gave some advice that won't exactly quell criticism of the program. Yesterday, the two agencies released an FAQ about eligibility. Question two confirmed that companies with more than 500 employees are actually eligible based on industry size standards. Also, another factor, quote, a business can qualify for the Paycheck Protection Program as a small business concern if it met both tests in SBA's alternative size standard as of March 27, 2020, that means the business has to have a net worth of less than $15 million and an average net after-tax income of no more than $5 million 
That means you don't have to be a small business to qualify as long as you're a stagnant or barely profitable big business. This probably explains why so many mediocre restaurant chains have been applying for and receiving PPP funds. Congress has allocated more than $650 billion to the PPP, with the second round worth $310 billion. By contrast, the federal government has only spent an additional $2 billion per month on emergency food stamp spending. The USDA announced the increase last week, saying overall SNAP benefit spending is up 40% during the coronavirus. That number could and should be a lot higher. We also got news today that one of the most profitable sports franchises in the world, the Los Angeles Lakers, got nearly $5 million under the PPP. <laughs> they, uh, they returned it under public pressure, but they could reapply conceivably and get it. <laughs> There's nothing stopping them. Moving on, the U.S. State Department is lashing out at the Iranian space program. In a press release on Monday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo accused the Iranians of launching ballistic missile components into orbit. Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps tweeted, The April 22nd launch of a military satellite was successful. But in today's press release, Pompeo alleged that the actual rocket that Iranians used to launch the satellite could also be used for ballistic missiles. Therefore, it's a pretext for more sanctions. Pompeo called on all, quote, peace-loving nations which should exclude the U.S., to support extending the U.N. conventional arms embargo onto Iran. Those sanctions are set to expire in October. The State Department's hair-on-fire allegations about the Iranian space launch contradict other reports from U.S. officials, like the head of U.S. Space Command, which the existence of U.S. Space Command should nullify any concerns by U.S. officials about the military nature of any space program around the world, by the way. Anyway, the head of U.S. Space Command, Jay Raymond, tweeted two days ago that Space Command was tracking two objects associated with the space launch from Iran. Iran states it has imaging capabilities. Actually, it's a tumbling webcam in space unlikely to provide intel, Jay Raymond tweeted with a hashtag, space is hard. So the U.S. government is on one hand mocking Iran's space capabilities and on the other claiming that it's an egregious breach of international norms demanding of new sanctions. Mike Pompeo, by the way, is a sicko who is overseeing a brutal sanctions regime in Iran that is making the coronavirus pandemic there far worse by limiting access to medical supplies. Despite this fact, and despite the fact that the U.S. is leading the world in cases and deaths from coronavirus by a lot, Pompeo said today, quote, When the Iranian people are suffering and dying from the coronavirus pandemic, it is regrettable to see the regime waste its resources and efforts on provocative military pursuits that do nothing to help the Iranian people. As we've said on previous shows, Mike Pompeo, turn your monitor on, dipshit. The House of Representatives is the only part of government controlled by the Democratic Party. It took off the whole month of April, deferring to Mitch McConnell on when to call members back in session. It's doing so uh, in early May, on May 4th. Nancy Pelosi routinely bashed the idea of voting by teleconference, at one point falsely accusing the company Zoom of being a Chinese entity. 
Here was Speaker Pelosi yesterday on CNN blaming Republicans for the House not moving forward on remote voting, even though the majority sets the House rules, no votes from the minority are needed. Yes, I, I share the frustration that they have about the committees, and we are, I'm all for uh, doing uh, the uh, remote voting by proxy. I want it to be bipartisan. Uh, the Republican leader, Mr. McCarthy, has assured me that he will consider this. He's not there yet. Pathetic. Democratic leaders signaled they were going to move ahead on proxy voting last week, but backed down after protests from Republicans. Republicans themselves last changed the rules on proxy voting during a highly partisan time. When Newt Gingrich was House Speaker in 1995, the GOP banned proxy voting in committees. Meanwhile, in a complete shock, Lucy is pulling the football away from Charlie Brown yet again. Republicans look set to reciprocate this bipartisanship by causing a public debt crisis. Mitch McConnell suggested last week that states and local governments should file for bankruptcy rather than receive emergency federal aid. This morning, President Trump was warmed to the idea, tweeting, quote, Why should the people and taxpayers of America be bailing out poorly run states like Illinois, as example, sick, in cities, in all cases, Democrat run and managed? The right says the left wants to make America like Europe, yet there they are trying to start multiple sovereign debt crises. Finally today, the number of searches of electronic devices by border authorities is increasing. New data released by Customs and Border Protection shows that the number of travelers who had their electronics searched at the border or other U.S. ports of entry like airports climbed to nearly 41,000. The year before, in 2018, it was roughly 33,000. And the year before that, it was only about 30,000. So we're seeing a steady climb. While releasing the information, CBP reaffirmed its authority to conduct such searches under notoriously overly broad definitions like national security concerns. The agency claimed the searches have uncovered crimes like drug smuggling, human trafficking, and intellectual property rights violations. Several journalists and activists, however, have reported having their devices searched by border authorities. A lawsuit brought against the agency led to a federal court ruling last November finding that suspicionless border searches of an individual's computer or smartphones violate the Fourth Amendment. And that music means the newscast is over and we're moving on to the poetry portion of the show. All new subscribers to our Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, get access to all the bonus content, plus they get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. This one goes out to wet. Those who burnt Nikes will soon gulp down their Clorox again to own lives. Thank you, wet. This is for Nom. Don't open it up. Close it down even more now. The economy. Thank you, Nom. And I agree. This one's for Nathan. What? What's that I hear? A word once so familiar, but now long lost. Sports. Thank you, Nathan. Finally, this is for Clay. Gold standard, senseless. Wait 60 years when we have 
a smart grain standard. More like six weeks. Clay. Clay, thank you. Thanks to all the new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. That'll do it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We got some more haiku to read tomorrow. Also, we're here in DC, so you don't have to be.